The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmilzer. And uh, well, here we are, well into the year here, getting closer to the end of the year. Well, this is 2022. You might be listening to this in 2023. I don't know. Maybe you're a time traveler and you're listening to this in the past. Who knows? But (laughs) uh, for those of you that have been following up here, we have been on this ethical and responsible AI roadmap, the series here following on framework development, how to keep yourself out of trouble. Doing AI right is more than just doing it the right way, which, of course, we are big believers in here. Cognolytica, the Cognitive Project Management for AI, CPMAI methodology, the best practice for AI project management. If you are not doing CPMAI, you're probably not doing it the best way. You're probably doing it a way. I can't tell you if it's the best. You might like it yourself, but I can tell you there are thousands of people who are CPMAI certified, and you, too, can be part of that audience uh, who are not only doing AI the right way, but showing others that you're doing the right way. And increasingly, we're starting to see more and more employers asking, not just for people who have done AI, whatever that means. I built a chatbot on a weekend on Python. I guess I did AI. Right? <laughs> Sorry to be laughing, but it is pretty laughable because if you try to take that skill and someone says, okay, now bring me a predictive analytics solution based on uh, you know, some, some you know, petabytes of data, you'll be like, uh, right, because you don't know what to do. You don't know the right way to do it. The right way to do it is CPMEI. It's a methodology. If you learn how to do CPMEI, if you have that on your resume, yes, throw predictive analytics at me. Throw autonomous systems at me. Throw a pattern and anomaly detection, conversational systems, recognition systems, hyper-personalization, goal-driven systems, any of these systems, right? And maybe even some automation. I know how to do it. I got this thing on my certification, my resume that says I can handle any of these AI projects. And that's the proof that you need. So uh, I know we have something to sell. That's pretty obvious. But there's a reason why, because so few organizations are doing AI right. The statistics on AI failure are proof of that. 75 to 80% of AI projects fail. What does that mean? What does it mean, fail? It means that you spent money and time and didn't go anywhere. Or even worse, you spent money and time and you're getting sued, right? <laughs> or, or you have some customer liability. You don't want to be there either. So Where we're going with all these episodes is bringing in some of that education and some of that insight from our training and certification. And what we've done recently is extended it not just towards doing it the right way, but doing it right so that you're not violating people's trust. And that sort of brings us into where we are with today's episode. Exactly. Because as organizations are using AI systems to do more, right, you know, to help them make decisions And to help maybe with, you know, first line of actions that are interacting with customers, whether that's a chatbot, whether that's helping filter candidates with an HR hiring system, you know, all of these things have impacts, whether it's with loan decisions, all of that, they have impacts on people's lives. And when you're using AI systems for that, you want to make sure that you're doing it ethically and responsibly. So it's important to understand, you know, what that even means. Hopefully this podcast series is going to be digging deeper. It is digging deeper into these topics and hopefully it will help you understand what you need to do in order to dig deeper. But We have come up with the CPMAI plus E, the ethics certification, because so many people have come to us and said, 
as our organization is looking to do more with AI, we're you know bringing it into decision making. We want to make sure that it's ethical and responsible. So CPMAI teaches us how to do AI right, but we need something additional with that. We need an ethical and responsible AI framework so that we can understand what questions we need to ask, where what we need to be addressing, uh, you know, all of the areas around different things that maybe we're not even considering right now. So that's why we came up with the CPMAI plus E training and certification. The episodes that we have in this series are just snippets from this training. So if you're really interested and serious about building ethical and responsible AI systems, then I encourage you to sign up for CPMAI Plus E. It's going to be money and time. Well, well worth it. It's definitely worth the investment. Uh, But these podcasts are just meant to give you an overview of different areas that we need to be thinking about. And so in today's snippet, we're going to be talking about disclosure and consent as it relates to AI systems. So with trustworthy AI, AI system disclosure is incredibly important. Will you let people know that they're interacting with the AI system? Now, we had talked about you don't want to be knowingly or unknowingly violating any laws. So depending on if you're a multinational organization or what states you operate in, you need to understand what laws are in place. And then also to help build trustworthy AI systems when you're creating your framework, do you want to make sure people know that they're actually interacting with an AI system. I mean, the technology is so great these days, people don't always know. So there should be transparency and, you know, responsible disclosure to ensure that people know when they're being, when it's significantly being impacted by an AI system and they can find out when the AI system is actually engaging with them. Because, you know, we talked earlier about when you violate trust and you lose trust, it's really hard to get that back. So you should be building your AI systems to obviously not be violating trust. I don't think that that's what you'd like to do, but you need to make sure that you're addressing these these points and asking specific questions to make sure you're really thinking this through. And that's what this framework is for. So, you know, you will violate trust when people think that they're interacting with a human, but it's really an AI system. So we had talked about Google Duplex where they were not, you know, they used an a, a chatbot, an AI-enabled chatbot, to interact with someone from a restaurant and a salon, and they never disclosed that it was not a human on the other end. So the person that picked up the phone to book the appointment just assumed they were talking to a human. Now, Google Duplex may be guilty of violating two-party consent laws in California, where you need to disclose that it is not a human on the other end. Or also, I think they were getting into issues with uh, it being recorded as well and being shown. So you need to make sure that you're addressing this. And also violating trust when people think they're interacting with AI, but it's really a human. So this is, you know, this comes into play a lot with pseudo AI, where you don't quite have the technology and you're kind of faking it until you're making it. So maybe you wanted to have a chatbot, an AI-enabled chatbot, but you didn't actually have the technology yet. So you had a human masquerading as a chatbot and 
people thought they were interacting with an AI system when in fact they actually were interacting with a human and you did not disclose that. You can get into obviously issues around trust for sure. And that's not something that we want to do. So how will you be transparent and open with users? Yeah, it might come to you as a surprise or maybe not as a surprise, but that Amazon for a long time has been listening in with humans on Alexa conversations. Now, they were not every conversation and they weren't necessarily using the human to actually provide the responses, but they were using it to help improve the system. So they're saying, you know, improve audio quality, but they never disclosed it. So, you know, uh, how does that make you feel that when you're having a conversation that there may actually be someone from one of the Amazon data centers somewhere actually sitting there and listening to you as you're having that conversation? Probably not feel really good. If that, if the Alexa had disclosed, like someone may be listening on this conversation, maybe you would be having a different conversation. Maybe you wouldn't be having your conversation. Maybe you wouldn't be using your Alexa at all. So these are these are um, the lack of disclosure causes a lack of trust. So this that's why we talk about this. Like disclosure, the more you disclose, the more trusted you'll. Have. Now, of course, you don't have to have trustworthy systems. No one's telling you to build trustworthy systems. But the reason why you're here and doing this ethical and responsible AI framework is you want to build them as trustworthy as you can. So what we tell people is that, like, let's think about the things that we need to consider when we're building our own AI system. So when we have a framework, how and when will we disclose to our users that they are interacting with an AI system, that an AI system is being used as part of anything? We may decide that we don't want to interact, provide any disclosure, and we, say, we may say that. We're not going to provide disclosure. Okay, well, that's part of your framework. But you may realize what you're going to lose from that. At least now when you think this through, you'd be like, okay, well, maybe we should. Maybe we should tell them something. You know, It doesn't have to be like the, the greatest level of detail, but we should say, hey, you are not interacting with a human right now. All right. Then there's the flip side. If people think and expect that they're interacting with a system, but you actually will have a human in the loop and you're not telling them, they will lose trust as well. So if you plan to include a human in the loop, even if it's for you know, purposes to improve the training process, you might, you should disclose that a human may listen in or read this conversation or look at the receipt you just uploaded to the system. A human may actually see this or this document you just scanned where you think that no human will look at it. They may say, we won't look at every single one of these, but a human might, might possibly look at this or listen to this or see this. So, um, that's a proper, that's disclosure. That's proper disclosure. It gives people more trust in your system rather than having them find out afterwards that a human looked at it and you never told them, right? And the other thing you may have to pay attention to is there are laws now emerging. We have this new California bot law, which says that companies have to disclose when you're talking to a bot. This is California. It's limited in some ways, but um, we're seeing other people move on it, especially when people start doing bad things. Laws will start to appear very quickly. So uh, think about that and how that will apply. And so we always say, just get ahead of it. You know, don't wait for the law to require disclosure. Think about what you can do to encourage faith and trust and confidence in your system by providing a sufficient amount of disclosure. So, you know, we talked about disclosure, but also consent. Can people consent to use to use this AI system? And, you know, will you allow users the right to consent into this system? Is there an option for them not to use it? Uh, AI systems can make, you know, significant decisions. And maybe you should have a human in the loop or you should allow people to have to opt into this or give them the opportunity to opt out as well. Depending on what it is, will you allow alternative uses 
an alternative option. So maybe can they say, no, I don't want to use this AI system. I'm going to use, I'd rather have a human. And I understand that using a human is going to take more time. And maybe this isn't going to be addressed as, as quickly, but I feel more comfortable with that. So AI systems informing significant decisions should have an opt-out mechanism if it impacts people's lives. So for example, we've talked about employment a lot. And uh, there has been news about employment law red flags in use of artificial intelligence in hiring. We had presented earlier how there were examples of bias and, you know, uh, unnecessary discrimination, in particular Amazon. They were uh, disproportionately passing along men in the interview process than women. So if there is no opt-out of using an AI system, you are just going to continue to have these issues and, you know, not, not be able to have any sort of recourse for these people who do choose to opt out and maybe just say, all right, I understand it's going to take longer in the hiring process, but I feel more comfortable if there's a human uh, reviewing my resume than an AI system. And I've consented out of this. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of precedent here. People might say, well, wait a second. If you allow people to opt out of some new technology thing, we're not going to gain any benefit from it because people are going to, people tend to like not want to change their ways. And they're going to like, oh, well, if it's a new thing, I don't really, maybe some people will like it, but most people will be like, look, I'd just rather stick with the old thing because a lot of people are like that. And so you might think that it, it the offering an opt-out may, may impact your overall ROI, but there is precedent to thinking about this. It's not simply just use it or not use it. It's providing an alternative, but showing what the difference is in that alternative. A good precedent is uh, when TSA, when the Transportation Safety Administration in the United States introduced their full body scanners, the, the ones where you have to you know walk in and the thing spun around you and you had to raise your hand, people were actually very concerned at the time about some of the privacy issues because some of the early scanners actually revealed a little too much, right? We go back to uh, safety and trust and all that sort of stuff. And one of the things we talked about in our response to layout section is don't collect too much data, right? And in this case, it was like actually showing the profile of the person. That was a little too uh, too much, right? People wanted to opt out and say that, they, or they had other concerns, or maybe they just felt like their privacy was being violated. And they're like, we don't want to go through these scanners. So, um, so what the TSA said was that, okay, we will allow you to opt out. Uh, we can't force you to go through this. I mean, we could say we won't let you board your plane or we won't let you go through security without doing it. But they knew that that would run it afoul of privacy and, and personal laws, especially given that there really were problems with these machines. So they said, well, the alternative is you can go for the full body pat down, right? And uh, their approach is like, well, uh, you can do the thing that's not invasive uh, in terms of a person actually touching you. And you can go through the machine or the alternative is you can go through the full body pat down, but there is no alternative where you could just walk through the metal detector, which was the old approach, right? You can't go back to the old way. Um, and so you, you could sort of think about, okay, well, what does that mean? So if you have an AI system that's doing a hiring thing where it's screening the, the resumes and it's providing a valuable function because there's no way if you're like Amazon looking through 10,000 resumes a month, there's no way that a person can do it. And that means that you just wouldn't be able to hire people. You'd have this massive backlog. So what you could tell people is like, okay, um, if you use our automated AI-based uh, application system, we will have a decision for you in like, I don't know an hour or whatever, whatever the time frame is, you know, very quickly, you can opt out 
of the AI-based decision-making system, but it will, but it'll go through a manual moderation process. We will not have a decision probably for a week to 30 days, right? And you could tell people that's what the alternative is because that's actually a realistic alternative. Like that would be, and that's how you basically deal with consent. You provide what the alternatives are so that people can feel more trust. So if you give them those options, they could say, okay, all right, now I know what I'm getting myself into. If I consent to this system, I will be improving, increasing my convenience and my speed up time. But if I don't feel comfortable with that system, I want to opt out. Then I have another alternative. That alternative is maybe not as good in terms of convenience, but it gives me the sense of trust that I want. And at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to build for. So here we have this, this separate piece of news here where people talk about this idea of informed consent. So in medical systems and hospitals, when you are when when people are telling you about a surgery or about some procedure that they're going to do, you, you have to know what they're going to do. You, they ha- you have to give them your what's called informed consent. If, if they're going to be you know, amputating a leg, you kind of have to know about that. You can't just go into surgery and then realize afterwards that they just amputated a leg. You kind of need to know that, right? You need to know what's called informed consent. They need to give you enough information so that way, and also maybe even some of the side effects and some of the problems, like, okay, we're going to do this treatment, but here are are the side effects. Do you still want to go ahead and do this thing? And you should have the right, obviously, as a patient, you'd have the right to say, no, I don't want to do that thing. But in order to do that, you have to have informed consent. The challenge is, is that in AI systems, when you have an AI system making a diagnosis or providing a recommended treatment, it's not necessarily giving you that same informed consent. So we have these issues now of when we have a personalized healthcare where systems may be recommending medication, systems may be recommending dosages, they may be recommending treatments of all sort of uh, sort of stuff. And if you ask the system why, we know this that you don't necessarily you won't necessarily get an, a good answer back. And so uh, we have to think about those alternatives. And people are are dealing with this now. I don't. We don't have answers to that. So you need to think about if you're building an AI system in that situation, you may have run into these informed consent problems. So here are the questions you need to answer. If we're going to deal with consent in our framework, which we have to, we'll say, how and when will we provide the means to opt out of the use of AI systems? This is the consent. How and when will you provide alternatives? What are the feasible alternatives to the use of the AI systems? If there's no feasible alternative, then you should say there is no alternative. And you'll tell people, yes, you can consent to this, but if you don't consent, then we have no alternative for you. That could be the answer, Okay. It could also be, how will you keep an eye on the emerging laws and regulations that will impact the requirement for consent, especially if you're in any heavily regulated industry, healthcare, finance, uh, you know, governmental stuff, anything that involves, you know, HR is becoming, even though it's not a heavily regulated industry, there's a lot of laws now about it, you know, anything like that, keep a very close eye on what's happening with consent laws. And then of course, if people do opt out. How are you going to manage that? How are you going to track it? How are you going to keep an eye on it? Maybe just for your own key performance indicators, it'd be nice to know what your percent opt-out rate is. Is it higher than you expect? Maybe that says something about trust, right? Maybe the reason why people are opting out is because they don't trust your system. And then you can go back to all the other things that we've talked about in the ethical and responsible AI framework that we can do to increase people's trust, but we should still offer the consent to be trustworthy. If we don't offer consent, we will not be trustworthy. So hopefully you heard that, you know, uh, people do want to know if they're interacting with an AI system, uh, especially if they don't like the results. (laughs) That's a good reason for it. 
but also, you know, people do, people are starting to, to opt out. We, you know, you, as we said in our previous episode on data privacy, we think of opt out in terms of sharing data, which is true. But people may want to opt out of processes. You know, if you're if you're using AI in some hiring system and it's just and it's all totally, you know, no human in the loop, right? Very little human in the loop. So the whole process, the resume gets submitted, a bot looks at it. You know, you do a video interview and a bot looks at that. And then a bot makes a decision. And all of a sudden you get this rejection email. And you're like, I never once spent time talking to a person. Is this is this fair? Well, I mean, if if the decision didn't go your way, you certainly don't won't feel like it is. So will states and countries start requiring that people may be able to opt out of those things? Disclosure, I'm using an AI system and consent. And I think we will start to see more and more of that. And if you are building AI systems with no possibility, you're not even telling people that they're working with an AI system and you're not giving them any possibility to opt out, then uh, you may be safe for now, but you may not be safe in the future. And also you are eroding trust. Even if you're safe from a legal perspective, regulatory perspective, if you start seeing comments that your interview system is a bunch of bunk by some robots that are, you know, clear there's bias in the data, you can't prove it one way or the other, um, you will suffer. And, uh, oh, I am definitely expecting to see that news. And as we said in an earlier episode, when we see bad news about this, we will talk about it. And if it's your company and you're listening and you're responsible for it, it is not a threat. It is a promise that we will talk about those things. So expect more of that, especially as we do more of this education uh, talking about AI today. Exactly. So you don't want to be on that side of the news. That's never a good thing. Invest in yourself, invest in CPMAI plus E so that you can avoid being in the news, making some bad headlines. And with that, we hope that you have enjoyed this snippet, you know, to help come up with what you need to be thinking about when it comes to disclosure and consent for your AI systems. If you have not already done so, we encourage you to subscribe to AI Today. We have many podcasts in this Ethical and Responsible AI series, and you'll get notified of all of our future episodes as they're released so that you can continue to, uh, you know, follow this series with us and come up, you know, so that we can continue to bring up the very important issues and areas that you need to be focusing on when it comes to ethical and responsible AI. If you have not already done so, we encourage you to go to the show notes to check out CPMAI plus E training and certification. And we also love to hear from our listeners. If you have you know, not already done so, we'd love for you to give us a five-star review and a rating as well. We uh, are on all of the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, all of the major platforms. So we definitely encourage that. We love to hear from our listeners. You can also email us, info at cognolytica.com. That's I-N-F-O at C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com to tell us the episodes that you've enjoyed, topics you've enjoyed, areas you want us to dig a little bit deeper into. This is partially why we have another AI uh, series coming up and that we're in the middle of because Folks have told us that they really do enjoy so much the different series that we've had. We had an AI education series. We had an AI failure series. Uh, now, you know, we're in the middle of our ethical and responsible AI series. So thank you to everybody who's given us feedback. Thank you to everybody who's signed up for CPMAI plus E. We're really encouraged to see so many people are taking this seriously and investing in themselves for AI success. So with that, we want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. 
To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. Podcast.